Sports Island is a complete sports podcast covering all major news and topics from across the PGA Tour, NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, and NCAA. This podcast focuses on sports only, as political, racial, and social issues are not discussed. If you are a sports fan and are looking to stay up to date on all of the major news and topics from across the major sports, then Sports Island is truly your getaway destination. You're listening to the Sports Island Podcast with your host, Rick Mitchell. And now, the Sports Island Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. This is version 29 of the show, and I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, it wasn't as busy of a sports week as we've had this these last uh several episodes last month and a half or so but uh, there's there is still quite a bit to discuss amongst the various sports uh, plenty of news to to get to here so we'll just uh we'll go ahead and dive right in and start off in the PGA Tour and this past weekend's tournament was the Genesis Invitational and that was held at the Riviera Country Club which was in Pacific Palisades California just right outside Santa Monica it was a par 71 Distance was 7,322 yards, and uh, just a beautiful course. Uh, it was, it's been a part of the PGA Tour for over 50 years, this course. Uh, it was an invite-only tournament, uh, just a great field of players out there for that. Now, there was a slight weather issue during the tournament. Uh, in Saturday's third round, there were extremely high winds, and it actually forced a four-hour postponement of the third round, which caused round three to not be finished by Sunday evening. So round three carried into Sunday morning before round four started. Uh, But in the end, your winner was Max Homa with a score of 12 under par. Now Max Homa, he grew up in Los Angeles and basically right, right next door to the Genesis, and he grew up going to watch the Genesis every year and idolized Tiger Woods, and um, ironically enough, Tiger Woods, is uh, this is kind of his tournament, and he's uh, a sponsor of the tournament and um, actually got to hand Max Homa the trophy, so it kind of came full circle for Max Homa. He was pretty emotional in his, in his uh, post-tournament interview. It was, it was pretty neat to see a hometown kid win win this tournament but how we got there well he max homa he shot five under 66 in the first round and the final round on sunday and his sunday round was actually bogey free played really good golf he made a clutch birdie putt on 17 on sunday there but then on 18 he had a three and a half foot putt to win on 18 if he makes it he wins the tournament outright if he misses it he goes to a playoff hole against tony finau well he missed a three-and-a-half-foot putt. So he ended up in a playoff hole with Tony Finau. Uh, and the first playoff hole was the par-4 10th. And Finau had a pretty good tee shot uh, just off the green, just short of the green. It was a short par-4. Well, Homa puts his tee shot far left up against a tree. Uh, but it was pretty much pin high, uh, but it was up against a tree. And he actually ended up... 
somehow chipping this ball onto the green on his second shot. Just an amazing par on that uh, on that playoff hole. But both guys parred the, the 10th hole. So they moved on to the second playoff hole, which was the par 3 14th. And on that hole, Max Homa ended up with a par, and Tony Finau had a bogey. So Max Homa won on the second playoff hole, and uh, that meant that Tony Finau finished in second place. Uh, he also His score was also 12 under par, but of course uh, he lost in that playoff hole. Now Finau didn't really play exceptionally well until Sunday's final round in which he shot a 7-under 64. That featured eight birdies. Uh, I say this every time I talk about Finau, but it's true. The dude's a birdie machine. He had 20 birdies over the weekend, two eagles. Uh, Both of his eagles came in the third round on Saturday. And he. this was his 37th top 10 finish in the last five seasons since his last victory. He has no wins in that time frame in the last five seasons. 37 top 10 finishes. Now, for a comparison, Dustin Johnson has 38 top 10 finishes in that same time frame with 12 wins. So uh, DJ's just been able to rack the wins up, whereas Finau just keeps piling up top 10 finishes with no wins. He seems to be uh, in the top 10 every week, uh, almost, it seems, but he just can't get over that hump of, of winning. Third place finisher was Sam Burns with a score of 11 under par. Now, Sam Burns was actually the leader after 18. He was the leader after 36 holes, and he was the leader after 54. So after three rounds, Sam Sam Burns had led every single round. He was the leader after the first three rounds, and he actually had to finish his third round early on Sunday morning before he played his uh, final round Sunday afternoon. And in that final round, he finished at three over par, Uh, Shot a three over 74 in that third round on on Saturday into Sunday. And then came out on Sunday and was only able to fire a 69, which is two under par. And he just kind of fell off pace uh, on Sunday. He grabbed a birdie on 17 late uh, to pull within one. uh, But he he just couldn't. He had a pretty poor tee shot on 18 that kind of took him out of it. But fourth-place finisher was Cameron Smith at 9 under par. And after a a T2 at the Masters back in November, Cam Smith had a rough start to the 2021 season. But uh, a top-five finish, that should should help get him back on track. Uh, He looked pretty good. Uh, There was a three-way tie for fifth place. And all at seven under par, and that was Victor Hovland, John Rahm, Matthew Fitzpatrick. Now, Hovland, he was actually a pretty trendy pick to win this tournament, um, and he played well, just not at the elite level that we've seen flashes of so far. And John Rahm, he ended up firing a five under 66 in the final round after a one over 72 on Saturday to jump up to another top five finish. Uh, you didn't really hear from Rom all weekend uh, until you look up on Sunday and he's in fifth place. The guy just, he's a, uh, you know, top rank or second rank golfer in the world. Uh, just unbelievable. Uh, just piles on top tens, top fives, uh, whether or not you even notice or not. But 
Matthew Fitzpatrick was the third guy that finished uh, tied for fifth at seven under. He always seems to be near the top of the leaderboard for the first couple rounds and then just kind of fizzles out. Uh, just uh, that's kind of how Matthew Fitzpatrick is. Uh, when he's got it going, man, he can he can roll them in. Uh, he's a solid player. But let's check out Rick's picks to click from the Genesis Invitational. And uh, I'll recap last last week, just briefly, uh, the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, I went two of three on my picks to click. So my first pick to click for the Genesis this weekend was Tony Finau. And he was coming off a fourth-place finish in a pair of T2s. And uh, the guy's just, you know, again, just very consistent in the top ten. We already talked about how he did. He finished second place, 12 under par, lost in the second playoff hole. Uh, My second pick to click was Patrick Cantlay. Um, He had gone... Uh, T3 and second in his last two events uh, over the past few weeks. Uh, he also grew up in Long Beach, California, which is right down the road. He's pretty familiar. Uh, hadn't finished any worse than 17th in any of his uh, last three trips to Riviera. Uh, he ended up finishing tied for 15th at four under par. Uh, he was looking pretty good through three rounds, but he ended up shooting a one over 72 on Sunday uh, to really kind of take him out of it. And my final pick to click was Xander Shoffley. There's no hotter golfer in the world right now. Uh, he's 15 straight finishes inside the top 25 coming into this week. And all he did was go out there and fire a four under as well to finish at tied for 15th. So that, that makes 16 straight top 25 finishes for Xander Shoffley. Just uh, really playing as good as it gets. Uh, super consistent. And... Uh, more on him here in, in just a second. Uh, but this weekend's tournament is the World Golf Championships Workday Championship at the Concession. Now, the Concession Golf Club is in Bradenton, Florida. It's a par 72. The distance is just massive. It's 7,564 yards. So just a super long course. It features a 600-yard par 5, and this is just a big hitter's paradise. And... This WGC event was actually supposed to be played in Mexico as the WGC Mexico Championship, but it got moved to Florida due to COVID stuff. Now, moving it to Florida actually kicks off a four-week stay here in Florida um, that features the next three events after this one will all be in Florida as well, so they don't have to go anywhere. Uh, The field this week for the WGC championship at the concession is uh, 72 players all highly ranked players um non-wgc players this week are actually playing in the other pga tour event that's going on which is the puerto rico open and i'm not going to cover that because uh, the main pga event where all your top golfers are is, is this wgc at the concession so um let's check out rick's picks to click for the wgc workday championship at the concession We'll start off with Bryson DeChambeau. He's ranked number 10 in the world. And he's one of only a few guys in this field who's actually played this course before. Uh, he won the 2015 NCAA Men's Championship at this course. And DeChambeau, he leads the tour in strokes gained off the tee, strokes gained tee to green, and in par 3 scoring. And he had an off week last week where he missed the cut. Now, there's no cut this week. Uh, out of the 72 players, everybody's going to play all weekend. 
So I feel like uh, DeChambeau is going to have a rebound in store this week. But my second pick to click, why not? It's Xander Shoffley. He's number four in the world. I just mentioned a little bit ago, he's got 16 straight top 25 finishes. And until that streak breaks, you can count on him being a pick to click. It's boring, but he's going to click, it seems, every week. And I, you know, I said this a few episodes ago, and I'm going to say it again. Xander Shoffley is going to win a major championship this year. Uh, I called it with Bryson DeChambeau last year. Um, and I'm calling it with Xander this year. He's going to win a major championship. But my final pick to click for the WGC Workday Chair, uh, Championship Open uh, is Dustin Johnson. He's world number one. He's won two previous WGC events, and he finished tied for eighth last week at Riviera after not even breaking par on Saturday or Sunday, which is outrageous. And that tied for eighth finish was his second worst finish in his last 10 starts. So in his last 10 in his last 10 starts on tour, Dustin Johnson has 3 wins, 3 second place finishes, and his worst worst finishes are a T8 and a T12. So he's been playing really good consistent golf and uh, I just I like for DJ this week to uh, at least finish inside the top 25 especially with no cut. But we'll move on to the National Basketball Association and give you a standings update here uh, as it currently sits. In the Eastern Conference, the top overall seed at the moment is still the Philadelphia 76ers with a record of 21-11. and 11. Number two, the Brooklyn Nets. They are right on the heels of the 76ers. They're 21-12. and 12. They're on a seven-game winning streak, the Nets are. And they actually went out to the West Coast on a uh, Pacific road trip against Golden State, Sacramento, Phoenix, the L.A. Lakers, and the L.A. Clippers in that order. And they won all five of those games, the last four of which were without Kevin Durant in the lineup. I guess the Nets are choosing to uh, do some load management with Kevin Durant and give him some days off that... um, that he may need throughout the year to stay healthy for the playoffs because the Brooklyn Nets are definitely headed in that direction. They have been killing it. They do look like the best team in the NBA uh, as it sits right now. Uh, third place in the East, the Milwaukee Bucks, 19-13. and 13. They're on a three-game winning streak. Indiana Pacers at 15-15. and 15. Toronto Raptors are fifth, 16-17. and 17. Chicago Bulls are sixth at 15 and 16. They've also won three in a row. The Charlotte Hornets, they're 15 and 16, seventh place. The Miami Heat, they are 15 and 17 in the eighth seed currently. They have won four games in a row, seven out of their last 10. So they have slowly climbed back up. Now, one team that's falling is the Boston Celtics. They're also 15 and 17. But they've lost three in a row and only won three out of their last ten. So they're going in the wrong direction. But they have so much good young talent. Uh, I just don't see uh, how they would miss the playoffs. But uh, the New York Knicks also have a record of 15-17. and 17. Atlanta Hawks are 14-18. and 18. Orlando Magic, 13-19. and 19. The Washington Wizards are 11-18. and 18. 
Cleveland Cavaliers 12 and 21. Uh, they've won two games in a row after losing uh, eight games in a row. The Detroit Pistons are 9 and 23. And they've actually won four of their last 10 games. So they're trying to get it turned around. Now, in the Western Conference, the top team in the West is the Utah Jazz. They are 26 and 6. And just content. They've won nine of their last 10. They are uh, probably the best team in the NBA at the moment. They're 15 and 2 at home. Uh, they just don't lose at home. And. Um, they're looking really good. The uh, LA Clippers are the second seed at the moment, 23 and 10. Um, they've won six out of their last 10. The Los Angeles Lakers are third with a record of 22 and 11. Now, the Lakers, Anthony Davis got hurt. They've played uh, six games without Anthony Davis here this last uh, week and a half or so. And they are one in five in those six games since Anthony Davis went down with an injury, which is by far their worst uh, stretch of the season. And that's not good for the Lakers. Uh, Anthony Davis is set to return after the All-Star break here uh, in about a week or so, week and a half. So uh, they should be back to full strength. And when they're full strength, they, they're up there with Utah as the best team uh, in the league. But uh, for now, LA needs to control that slide because – the Phoenix Suns are 20 and 11, uh, just two games back of LA, and they've won eight out of their last 10 as well. Now Portland Trailblazers are fifth; they're 18 and 13. They're riding a three-game skid right now. Um, San Antonio Spurs are sixth at 16 and 12. Denver Nuggets seventh at 17 and 14, and the Golden State Warriors are 18 and 15 in that eight spot currently uh two in a row they've won the dallas mavericks are 15 and 15 they've won two in a row and seven out of their last 10 they're finally turning it around they're looking good Doncic is just unbelievable uh the memphis grizzlies 13 and 14 they've lost two in a row uh the new orleans pelicans they're 14 and 17 zion just continues to produce at an outrageous pace uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder, man, they're they're a scrappy team. They're thirteen and nineteen, so they're a few games uh, out of the playoffs. But man, they uh, they had a good uh, last second buzzer beater win the other night when Lou Dort hit a three, wide open three. He was the, the closest person to Lou Dort on that three pointer at the end of the game. The buzzer beater was fourteen feet away, which is the largest buzzer beater. Uh, winner, largest uh, distance between a defender and the shooter on a buzzer beater ever. So he was completely wide open, uh, but they're they're scrappy. Um, Sacramento Kings twelve and nineteen. They've lost eight games in a row. Uh, so they they were up there in that playoff conversation before losing eight games in a row. And you think losing eight in a row is bad? How about losing nine in a row? That's what the Houston Rockets have done. They're 11 and 19 on a nine game skid right now. And the Minnesota Timberwolves, they're seven and 26. Now they've lost six in a row. They've only won once out of their last 10. And they fired a coach. And their head coach, uh, they got all kinds of problems. They're obviously last in the. Uh, in the Western Conference with that horrible record, but they ended up 
uh, firing head coach Ryan Saunders after seven and twenty-four start to the season. But they they hired Toronto Raptors assistant coach Chris Finch, who immediately stepped in, and he's already lost two games. So there was been some drama centered around that hiring uh, as to why they didn't uh, hire one of their good assistant coaches that's been on the staff for several years and decided to go with uh, an assistant coach from another team. But, yeah, Minnesota's got all kinds of problems. They're in full rebuild mode. Just uh, just a complete mess there in Minnesota. But uh, the NBA is still trying to, you know, work through some COVID issues and uh, we'll talk about uh, the all-star break and stuff here uh, and around the island. But we'll move over to the National Hockey League now. And before we get into the standings updates as it currently sits, just want to recap a couple of the games this past weekend. Uh, this past Saturday and Sunday, the NHL had two outdoor games, both at Lake Tahoe, uh, outdoors. And, man, what a scene that was. It was just absolutely beautiful. The uh, ice was set up on the golf course out there uh, around the 18th hole, which is right up against the water. Uh, there were no fans, obviously, just a limited number of um, NHL employees and scorekeepers. And uh, people had their boats and kayaks that they pulled up right to the shoreline so they could try and watch. It was just really amazing to see uh, probably the greatest outdoor venue that the NHL has had, in my opinion. Uh, Saturday's game was Colorado Avalanche and the Vegas Golden Knights. Colorado won the game 3-2. to two. But the game actually started at 1 p.m. local time there in Lake Tahoe. Uh, but the sun and the, the warm te- warmer temperatures melted the ice or started to melt the ice uh, after the first period or during the first period. So after the first period, they decided to uh, postpone the game till later that night. So uh, at 9 p.m. local time, eight-hour delay, the second period started. They were able to finish the second and the third period because the temperatures dropped quite a bit, able to freeze the ice back up. And um, pretty interesting uh, to see a game start eight hour, finish eight hours after it started. But uh, that's just kind of what you got to do with these outdoor games if the ice isn't right. But on Sunday, uh, the game was in the evening, and that was uh, Boston Bruins and the Philadelphia Flyers. Boston won that game seven to three. Uh, there were no delays. The ice was perfect. Um, the sunset over the mountains after, like the first period, you could see that they had show kept showing shots of, you know, over the lake and the aerial views. And the sun setting over the mountains was just absolutely exquisite. Uh, just a phenomenal scene. Uh, definitely was the prettier of the two games in terms of uh, weather and just overall view. Uh, and David Pasternak for the Bruins ended up with a hat trick, which is the second hat trick in NHL outdoor game history. Uh, Tyler Toffoli had one in the stadium series a couple seasons ago. But uh, we'll get into a standings update here. Or before we do, there, there's been multiple scheduling changes the NHL's made so far due to COVID. Uh, keep rearranging games. And the the biggest victim of that, we'll say... As my Dallas Stars. Uh, first, they started the season uh, about a week and a half later than everyone else due to the COVID outbreak they had in spring, uh, or, or training camps, rather. And 
Then they, of course, we had that snowmageddon uh, last week, which had them force an, uh, another four-game postponement. They've had two against Florida that were postponed and two against Tampa Bay. So the Stars have just had an absolute ton of games uh, postponed. And now with the rearranging of the schedule the NHL did, the Dallas Stars are now going to have 43 games in 76 days after the latest adjustments made to the schedule. That's more than one game every other day. So Stars are going to be playing a lot of hockey here in these uh, upcoming months until we get to that 56-game season mark. But the standings update as it sits right now, as of this recording, in the Scotia North Division, Toronto Maple Leafs up top at 15-4-2. They just are killing it. They um, 7-2-1 in their last 10 games. Uh, Austin Matthews leads the NHL in goals. The dude scores from anywhere and everywhere. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers, they're 13-8. They're 8-2 in their last 10. Winnipeg Jets are 12-6-1. They're 7-3 in their last 10. So three hot teams right there, top of the North Division. Now, the Montreal Canadiens, they're 9-6-4 in the fourth spot of the Scotia North Division. But they're three, five, and two. They've been on a little skid here, and they actually ended up firing their head coach Claude Julian this past week. Uh, and they also fired one of their assistant coaches, uh, Kirk Muller. Now Dominique Ducharme was named the interim head coach uh, for the Canadians after Claude Julian's firing. But Montreal was one of the hottest teams to start the season, and looked like they were. Uh, on track to finish up top of the North Division, but they just fell apart this past week and ended up dropping a few games to uh, the Ottawa Senators. So they're in a little bit of a tailspin. Uh, fifth place in the North Division is the Calgary Flames at 9, 10, and 2. Vancouver Canucks, 8, 13, and 2. And the Ottawa Senators, 7, 14, and 1. A couple of Big wins over Montreal this past week. They are on a three-game winning streak, actually, at five, uh, five and five in their last ten. Now the Discover Central Division: Florida Panthers, thirteen four and two. They are seven and three in their last ten. Tampa Bay Lightning, thirteen four and one. Uh, they're also seven and three. They're on a three-game winning streak. Chicago Blackhawks, 11-6-4. They are 8-2 in their last 10. They're really hot right now. Uh, Carolina Hurricanes are fourth at 12-6-1. They're on a three-game losing streak. Columbus Blue Jackets, 8-8-5. Dallas Stars, 6-5-4. Nashville Predators, 8-11. Still haven't gone to overtime yet after 19 games. That's uh, Or haven't lost in overtime. That's pretty impressive. Uh, Detroit Red Wings, 6-13-3. and um, They're 4-5-1 and one in their last 10 games, trying to crawl out of the basement there. Uh, Mass Mutual East Division, up top, the Boston Bruins, fresh off of their uh, outdoor win at Lake Tahoe. They're 11-4-2. Washington Capitals, 10-5-4. New York Islanders, 10-6-3. Philadelphia Flyers, 9-4-3. Pittsburgh Penguins, 
in the fifth spot currently on the outside looking in. 10-7-1. and one. Uh, New Jersey Devils, 7-6-2. and two. New York Rangers, 6-8-3. and three. And the Buffalo Sabres are 6-8-3 and three as well. Last placed in the Mass Mutual East Division. More on the Sabres to come here and around the island. Uh, the Honda West Division. The Vegas Golden Knights, 11-4-1. St. Louis Blues, 10-8-2. Third place in the West is the Los Angeles Kings. Hottest team in the league right now. Six-game winning streak. They're 9-6-3. The Arizona Coyotes, 9-7-3. They've gone 6-2-2 in their last 10. Minnesota Wild, they're on a four-game winning streak to bring their record to 10-6. Um, Colorado Avalanche, fresh off their outdoor win at Lake Tahoe. They're 9-6-1, sixth place in the West Division currently. San Jose Sharks, 7-8-2. And the Anaheim Ducks are 6-10-4, holding up the rear. But they just called up their sensational young player, Trevor Zagris, who was the MVP of the World Juniors Tournament a couple months ago. Uh, the kid's just unbelievable. They finally called him up. They got a lot of pressure to do so, but finally getting the chance to uh, start in the NHL. But we'll move over to our segment called Around the Island, and that's where we do some quick hit topics from the various sports, and we'll start off with Major League Baseball. Uh, training camps are officially underway, and spring training games actually start this weekend. Uh, spring training officially gets kicked off on Sunday, February 28th, where we have three games. That's uh, the Boston Red Sox against the Minnesota Twins, the Atlanta Braves against the Tampa Bay Rays, and the Toronto Blue Jays, the highly revamped Toronto Blue Jays against the New York Yankees. So uh, solid three-game slate there to start spring training. Uh, There's been a lot of movement, a lot of free agent signings, and uh, we've had some trades. Some big contracts have been given out. And uh, because spring training is basically already, you know, underway and the the games are about to start, we haven't had any major big-name free agents that have signed since the last episode. Um, So we don't really have anything to catch up on. The rosters are pretty much set for most teams uh, at the moment uh, heading into spring training. Uh, But a strange story out of Major League Baseball, uh, Seattle Mariners, president and CEO Kevin Mather, he resigned this past week after making some insensitive comments about a couple members of his organization. Basically, Mather called uh, the English-speaking capabilities of two of his team or organization members of the Mariners uh, terrible. So uh, he has since apologized for critiquing their English-speaking, but he also resigned and so Seattle is in the market for a new president and CEO. Uh, and that's a tough break for the Mariners there right before the season starts, uh, having to deal with with that drama. But um, they'll get through it. It is what it is. Uh, Mariners, um, not really a threat to compete in the American League West this year. But... Uh, We'll move over to the National Football League. A few topics to hit there. Uh, Free agent defensive end J.J. Watt. Uh, Of course, last week we talked about him being released by 
the Houston Texans. It was a mutual release. Uh, he wanted out of Houston. He didn't want to re-sign or restructure his deal, so Houston let him go. And he's received a couple of contract offers so far, uh, just a week into his free agency. Uh, multiple teams have reported uh, to have offered J.J. Watt a contract, and the highest contract is between 15 and $16 million annually. So that's a lot of money. Uh, the guy can still go. If, he's, if he can stay healthy and play at least 14 games, uh, you're getting a hell of a player. I'm curious to see where he ends up. I would say the likeliest teams are probably Pittsburgh, Buffalo, or Cleveland. I would put money on one of those three teams being the landing spot for J.J. Watt. But uh, another week and another stalemate between the Houston Texans and quarterback Deshaun Watson. Uh, this is just becoming you know, more and more unbelievable by the week, basically. Uh, the Texans have maintained that they are not trading Deshaun Watson uh, at all. They're not interested in trading him. The new head coach came out and said, he's he's our quarterback. The new GM came out and said, he's our quarterback. We're not trading him. And it's been reported that multiple teams have actually left voicemails for the Houston Texans with trade offers on the table literally called left a voicemail with a trade offer and uh, the Texans have not answered those calls but uh, this past week Deshaun Watson met with new Texans head coach David Culley and in that meeting Deshaun Watson reiterated that he wants to be traded and that he has no intentions to play for the Texans ever again that's some pretty harsh stuff uh, he really means it and you know, if if I'm the Texans, I don't I don't understand why the Texans are so hard headed and not trading Deshaun Watson. Because he might sit out. Like Watson is so upset with the Texans and how they've handled this past couple years of trading away draft picks left and right and trading away star players, uh leaving him as basically the only star player on the team with no help around him. I don't see why the Texans aren't trying to acquire as much talent and draft picks as possible because at this point, the Texans coming off a 4-12 and season with the league's leading passer, they're in full rebuild mode, and they don't have a, a draft pick this draft until the third round. They traded their first and second draft picks away. So the Texans literally do not have a draft pick until the third round. And that's not how you rebuild. Uh, you rebuild with draft picks and talent acquisition. And there's been multiple teams that have left voicemails for you to trade Deshaun Watson. You could easily get a replacement quarterback from whatever team is making you that trade. You trade quarterbacks. And then you could easily get three first-round picks and probably a second or a third on top of that. So I, I don't understand why the Texans are holding on to him. Because if you can have the top five quarterback in the league but if you don't have a team around him it doesn't do you much good because you're going to go four and 12 that's what we just saw this past year no help for Watson equals a four and 12 season right so why are and you don't have draft picks to help get that talent in here quicker so why is Houston not uh trading Deshaun Watson I, I don't understand that now the other crazy quarterback story comes out of Seattle 
that's the Seattle Seahawks and quarterback Russell Wilson. Uh, Russ Wilson has become increasingly frustrated with uh, Seattle coaches and uh, management, basically Pete Carroll and uh, anybody that has a say in, in how the offense is run. And basically, Russ Wilson feels like he's he's not getting the power and control over the offense that he uh, has earned and deserves, frankly. And he just feels like his input's not being considered. Now, Watson hasn't, I mean, uh, Wilson has not officially requested uh, a trade. Uh, but Russell Wilson's agent came out and said that he wouldn't, he hasn't, because he has a no trade clause in his contract. So basically, uh, Seattle can't trade him unless Wilson approves it. Now, if Wilson approves the trade, he said he would only approve a trade to four teams. And that's the Dallas Cowboys, uh, the New Orleans Saints, the Chicago Bears, and the Las Vegas Raiders. So uh, those are the four teams that Russ Wilson would would uh, go to. Now, of course, the Cowboys have their own issues with Dak and is he going to play on the franchise tag? Is he going to resign? Long-term deal. They're still figuring that out. Um, this uh, past week, actually, in the NFL, it opened the two-week window that teams have to franchise tag their players. The deadline, I believe, is March the 9th uh, that players need to be franchise tagged or uh, have a new deal in place. And uh, I just don't see the Cowboys making that deadline with Dak Prescott. They've had this has basically been ongoing for two or three seasons now, and um, we're here. We are still uh, in the same spot. So uh, the Saints, we don't know if Drew Brees is retiring or not. Uh, it's the assumption is that he will, um, but if he comes back, they're certainly not going to make a trade of that nature. Chicago Bears are probably a legitimate quarterback away from being a pretty good team. Uh, their defense is outstanding. They do have a couple of uh, solid offensive pieces. Allen Robinson, who's a free agent. Uh, they have not franchise tagged him yet. They're, I, I would figure that they would offer him a, a, an extension of some kind, but they might lose him. But you have uh, David Montgomery, um, Anthony Miller, Cole Komet. So you have some good young offensive pieces. And so if the Bears got a legitimate quarterback, I think they could probably make some noise uh, in the NFC. So that would be intriguing. And the Las Vegas Raiders, they have Derek Carr. So uh, And I think the Raiders are in long-term negotiations with, uh, with Carr at the moment. So uh, who knows about that? I, I don't see Russell Wilson getting traded, even, even though he's disgruntled. But that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. But we'll move over to the National Basketball Association. And the NBA released its schedule for the second half of the season. Um, they didn't release it all at the beginning. They only re- released the first half. And second half would be considered after the All-Star game here uh, next weekend. But the NBA remains committed to that 72-game slate that they have for all 30 teams. Uh, and they're, they're, they look to be well on their way to, to doing that. Now, Second half of the season officially starts on March 11th, but and due to the scheduling changes from the COVID protocols of thus far from teams having to have games postponed, uh, there isn't the same number of games for all teams in the second half of the season. And the teams that are impacted the most by the second half schedule are the San Antonio Spurs and the Memphis Grizzlies. Both of those teams play 40 games in the second half. 
in comparison to a team like the Los Angeles Clippers, who only play 34 games in that same time frame. So uh, maybe a little bit of an advantage to the teams that play less in terms of rest uh, for any potential playoff games. Now, the end of the regular season is on May 16th. And on May 18th through the 21st, there'll be the first ever play-in tournament for the NBA. Basically, this play-in tournament is going to feature teams from both the Eastern and Western Conference that finish 7th through 10th. And uh, they will have a play-in tournament for the final two spots uh, in their conference. And how that's going to work is the 7th seed is actually going to host the 8th seed uh, in a first playoff game of that tournament. And the winner of that game gets one of those two playoff spots. Uh, The other of those two playoff spots is going to... um, Basically, the loser of the 7-8 game plays the winner of the 9-10 matchup. And whoever wins that game gets the second seed. And personally, I think that's a great idea. Uh, It makes it fun and competitive uh, for, you know, the final few teams in the running. Uh, If you want to make the playoffs, you need to play your best basketball at the end of the year and prove you're in. Now, the NBA is playing a 72-game season, which is only 10 games fewer than a regular season of 82 games. So uh, you're getting pretty much almost a full full sample size of, of an NBA season, but uh, I don't know if this is something the NBA is going to continue moving forward uh, when they move back to an 82-game s- uh, schedule or if this is just, um, you know, a partially shortened COVID season that they're doing this to um, basically make amends for those 10 games that the teams miss. I don't know, but I like the idea of doing it, and I wouldn't be opposed to that happening in other sports such as the NHL or maybe even the NFL but uh, the goal for the NBA is to finish the playoffs on time uh, which is in July because the uh, Olympic games are scheduled for late July uh, in Tokyo so basketball is a part of that so they want to get it done so the NBA players can go over to Tokyo and uh, participate represent Team USA or whatever country. Uh, But the All-Star selections were announced, and I talked last week uh, about the NBA All-Star game format um, and the skills competition and stuff taking place before the game and at halftime. But this past week, um, the fan voting concluded and the captains for each conference were announced. In the Western Conference, it's LeBron James. Eastern Conference captain is Kevin Durant. Now, the starters for the Western Conference, well, for both conferences, were announced. And in the West, the starters are LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic, Steph Curry. And the reserves for the Western Conference are Paul George, Zion Williamson, Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Chris Paul, and Anthony Davis. Now, Anthony Davis is hurt, so Devin Booker got the call to replace him, which that was a shame. He wasn't even on the reserve list to begin with, but uh, Booker is replacing Anthony Davis in the West. Now, your Eastern Conference starters, as voted in, are Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, Bradley Beal, finally for him, getting to make an all-star game, uh, and Kyrie Irving. 
and your reserves in the Eastern Conference, James Harden, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Ben Simmons, Julius Randle, Zach Levine, and Nikola Vucevic. Now, just because they made starter versus reserve, uh, the starters are going to start uh, the game, but LeBron and Kevin Durant, basically they're going to have a draft to select their teams based out of that pool of starters and reserves for each conference. So you'll have Western Conference players and Eastern Conference players on the same team. It's just how they get drafted by LeBron or KD, if that makes sense. They're going to alternate picks, basically. LeBron has the first pick, KD picks second, then LeBron, then KD, then LeBron, then KD, and so on, until they have their teams. Uh, But the 10 guys that got selected to start will start the game, uh, unless they all, of course, end up on the same team, which won't happen, but... Uh, So that's how they're going to do that. That draft will probably happen in this next week or so, so I may cover that on next week's episode. Uh, But the other piece of NBA news, the Houston Rockets, they're on that nine-game losing streak, just abysmal. They waived center DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, Cousins, he's a four-time All-Star, but his role has been delegated to the bench role here lately due to the emergence of uh, Christian Wood, who... Uh, probably is listed as uh, one of the newcomers of the year, basically, just uh, bust onto the scene. He's played great for Houston, uh, even though they're in the midst of a terrible uh, part of their season. But uh, we'll move over to the National Hockey League. And in the NHL, some strange news here. Uh, New York Rangers forward Artemi Panarin. He took a leave of absence from the team after some assault allegations surfaced. Now, the allegations themselves came from Panarin's old coach in the KHL, which is a, a professional league in Russia, uh, Andre Nazarov. He's the coach of uh, Panarin's former team. He said that Artemi Panarin got into a physical altercation with an 18-year-old female in Latvia back in 2011. So Panarin was probably around the same age as this chick back in 2011. So we're talking of an incident that happened 10 years ago that this coach is just now bringing to light. The allegation that the coach made went on to say that Panarin, quote, sent her to the floor with several powerful blows, according to the Russian translation. Now, the coach, Nazarov, came out with these allegations some 10 years later after he had publicly criticized Artemi Panarin's outspoken beliefs, uh, political beliefs, uh, towards Russian President uh, Vladimir Putin. And basically, uh, Panarin made a comment uh, about Putin that Nazarov didn't like, so Nazarov says, you know what, I'm going to bring up some shit from 10 years ago and see how this does. And so the New York Rangers came out with a statement. They said, quote, Artemi Panarin vehemently and unequivocally denies any and all allegations in this fabricated story. This is clearly an intimidation tactic being used against him uh, for being outspoken on recent political events. And that was a partial quote from this full long statement. But basically the Rangers aren't buying it. Uh, They don't believe it. Um, And Panarin just took a leave of absence, so that way he's not a distraction to the team. But I would fully suspect that uh, he will be completely cleared uh, of this incident. Um, 
statute of limitations on that certainly has to have passed uh, by now, even if it is a valid uh, accusation. But uh, I think it's probably a revenge tactic that Nazarov's using against Panarin. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see when Panarin comes back on that. But the other news, I mentioned it when I talked about them being last place uh, in the Mass Mutual East Division, the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, they've been in the news also uh, about uh, regarding two of their star players being benched. Uh, forwards, Jeff Skinner and Jack Eichel. Uh, Jeff Skinner, he's been benched for three straight games as a healthy scratch. And just two years ago, the dude scored 40 goals in the NHL in a season. And he's making $9 million this season. And Buffalo's parking his ass on the bench. So it appears that Jeff Skinner's days, yes, this season he has not produced. He has been terrible this season for whatever reason. Uh, But his days in Buffalo are numbered. Now, the other player is Jack Eichel, who just happens to be their best player and the team captain. And he was the second overall pick in the 2016 NHL draft right behind Austin Matthews. Now, Jack Eichel, he uh, didn't participate in team practice the other day. And a report came out that Buffalo is actively trying to trade him uh, potentially, which I don't understand because they have a good core, young core of, of players in Buffalo. Uh, they haven't been good in a long time. And you would think that you would want to hang on to two of your better forwards. Uh, And your captain, for sure, who is your best player. Uh, You would think you'd want to hang on to him. But uh, apparently such is not the case. So uh, trade deadline's still a little ways off. Uh, Well, we're actually coming up on that for the NHL. So we'll we'll stay tuned on that and see if Jack Eichel. That would be a big get for any team that got Jack Eichel. You immediately get a first or second line player. Uh, stepping in right away, but uh, we'll we'll have to keep an eye on that. But move over to the NCAA and college football. And a couple episodes ago, I mentioned that EA Sports, the video game, they are coming out with a new NCAA football game, which has uh, college football fans going nuts because it's been seven years since they've produced that game. Now. Since the announcement of EA Sports making that game, uh, Notre Dame football announced that they are not going to provide its name, logo, or other branding property to EA Sports for the NCAA football game until the new rules that determine if athletes will be able to receive a cut of the game's profits are finalized. So, basically, well, and shortly after that announcement by Notre Dame, Northwestern University and the Big Ten, they announced the same thing. Northwestern said that they're not going to participate in the NCAA football game until the rules are finalized that allow players to benefit financially from the use of their names. Which, this whole issue deals with the name, image, and likeness situation that's currently being worked on. Um, That's, you know, involving players being compensated for their Uh, name or image being used in the game and I think EA Sports is probably waiting to even produce this game uh, until the situation is revised or at least release it I think they will produce it here Uh, they're probably already start working on it but I don't think they're going to release it until the name image and likeness situation gets figured out uh, because that way the players can uh, receive compensation for their 
their names and the game can actually use players' names instead of numbers like they like they did in past years. But um, Republican Senator Jerry Moran from Kansas, he's, he's introduced a bill in the legislature that would allow athletes to sign endorsement deals, uh, college athletes, that is, to sign endorsement deals in the future with some restrictions on what type of deals they could enter. So basically, the bill, if passed is going to also increase the medical coverage that many of the uh, top-heavy athletic departments have to provide for their athletes. And it's also going to establish rules that are going to uh, allow players to transfer to new schools and enter professional drafts without losing eligibility. So there's a whole lot going on in that bill that's been introduced, but it does uh, contain parts of that name, image, and likeness situation, which is already been proposed to Congress, and I think that's still in the works. Um, I would be surprised if uh, that didn't get passed. I think we're at the point now where college athletes, uh, you know, if you're if you're a star college athlete and you're making your school lots of money uh, and merchandise and ticket sales and whatever else, I think you deserve to be compensated. Uh, so uh, I think that bill will pass, but keep an eye on that. Uh, teams are starting to opt out of a damn video game now, which hopefully they don't release that until after we get this situation fixed. But we'll zip over to the PGA Tour. Uh, the PGA Championship is going to take place in May at Kiwa Island Golf Course, the Ocean Course in South Carolina. They announced that they're going to have 10,000 fans in attendance per round uh, at the PGA Championship, which is awesome because there were no fans last year at TPC Harding Park whenever uh, Colin Morikawa won. It was really eerie. That was the first major to take place, uh, you know, without fans, and it was just super, super weird um, not seeing anybody at a major championship. So just to put it in comparison, last time the PGA Championship was at Kiwa Island Golf Course was back in 2012. And during that PGA Championship, there were about 30,000 fans in attendance per day there. So uh, we're getting about a third of the fans that were there uh, last year, or last uh, PGA Championship at this course, which is pretty good. Again, that's we're talking about returning to normalcy. So uh, this is another good step in that direction, and uh, it, makes it, it makes you feel a little better about the, uh, the progress we've made and being able to successfully host sporting events with fans uh, in attendance. Uh, but the major news out of the PGA Tour this past week was, of course, the Tiger Woods car crash. It happened on Tuesday, this past Tuesday. Uh, I'm sure you've heard about it. It was a single vehicle crash. It occurred around 7, 12 a.m. Pacific time, Tuesday morning. Tiger Woods was traveling down Hawthorne Boulevard in Rolling Hills Estates, California, on his way to a photo shoot with Drew Brees and Justin Herbert uh, from the NFL. And Woods uh, ended up rolling his SUV several hundred feet before landing in a culvert. He had to be extricated uh, from the vehicle. And uh, when it was all said and done, Tiger Woods messed up his legs really bad. Major leg injuries. He had a shattered left ankle, compound tib-fib fracture in his right leg that broke through the skin. 
Um, so he had to have uh, screws, rods, pins, all kinds of stuff. He was hours, hours in surgery and uh, to repair that stuff. And now, of course, post-op, he's been transferred to another hospital for recovery uh, and orthopedic treatment. Now the, the major thing is is uh, worry of infection, obviously with the bone poking through the skin and a surgery to repair that. Uh, you worry infection now, but uh, the LA County Sheriff's Office, they've done their preliminary investigation. Uh, they've come out and said that there were no signs of impairment from Tiger Woods and they are not going to be filing charges on Tiger Woods. I know a lot of people were concerned about him possibly being intoxicated uh, on alcohol or and or prescription pain meds. Um, you know, LA County Sheriff's Office would have to subpoena medical records, uh, and the hospital would have had to have tested for any, uh, alcohol and or drug usage in his bloodstream whenever they drew his blood upon arrival. So, um, they made it pretty clear that they didn't see any signs of impairment, but, um, you know, with the prescription pain meds for his recent, recent back surgery that he had just had back in December, um, I, I can see, you know, possibly that being an issue, but, um, they did say that Hawthorne Boulevard is a, quite the danger zone. It's, it's a downhill road. It's got slopes and curves and it's a known area for accidents. Basically they've, I think they pulled the numbers. There's been 13 car crashes on that same stretch of Hawthorne Boulevard, uh, in the last year, uh, short period of time basically so it is a frequent place for accidents um they they've chalked it up to just a complete accident at this point but uh, i'd like to see uh, the full accident investigation details about his speed because the airbag deployment they can run the black box on the suv and get his speed uh five seconds prior to airbag deployment um but yeah, scary incident there for Tiger Woods. Uh, glad he's okay. He's obviously a, uh, you know, on the Mount Rushmore of golf, um, and just a, you know, generational player and great ambassador for the sport. So glad he's still alive. Uh, pretty freaky. It was, um, you know, just a little past one year since the Kobe Bryant incident, uh, the helicopter crash that took his life but uh you know that would have been absolutely horrific if we lost kobe and tiger uh just about one year apart but tiger woods is all right he's on the road to recovery uh he's got he's got quite a bit of recovering to do but uh he should should get through that we'll uh, head back over to the ncaa real quick and this is college basketball now the ncaa came out and they've announced that they're going to allow a limited number of fans into the men's and women's NCAA tournaments. March Madness. So March Madness is going to have fans. Thank goodness. Uh, up to 25% capacity with social distancing in place. And that's going to be in effect for all rounds of the tournament. Okay, so that's great news again. Just like we talked about with the PGA Championship um, also, in the NHL and Major League Baseball, they've had several announcements of teams allowing fans into their venues this year as well. So, um, just a great sign that we're getting fans in the stands. Um, you know, we've lived through quite a year these past 12 months, 
and uh, we're just excited to have fans in the stands and getting people back in seats into sporting events. But we'll take a look real quick at uh, men's college basketball rankings for week 14. Now, there's been some games played this week, obviously, so these records um, aren't completely accurate, but these are the rankings that we're heading into this week. Gonzaga was still your top team, 22-0. and they, they won tonight again. Uh, Baylor... 17 and 0. They've they had 3 weeks off. Their first game back was this past week against Iowa State, who had 2 wins all season. They got up by 17 points on Baylor, and Baylor came charging back and ended up winning by 5. So that ruined their streak of 17 straight victories by at least 8 points, but Baylor was just glad to get a win. Uh, but you could tell that 3-week layoff really hurt them because they weren't even able to practice until a couple days before that game the number three team in the country is michigan 16 and one uh huge victory over ohio state uh, on sunday this past week and then another massive victory tonight over the university of iowa just a pummeling on iowa and michigan is proving that they are right up there with gonzaga and baylor as the best teams in the country uh, Ohio State, number four at 18 and five. Illinois is fifth at 16 and five. And oddly enough, Michigan State beat both of those teams this past week. Uh, big wins by Michigan State, who's on the outside looking in for this tournament at the moment. But they're putting together a pretty impressive late season resume by beating the fourth and fifth fifth place teams in the same week. Uh, sixth is Alabama. They had a tough loss to Arkansas this week. Oklahoma, 14-5. and five. Uh, Villanova, 14-3. and three. Iowa, again, I just said they're ninth uh, coming into this week, but they just lost uh, by, to Michigan. Uh, West Virginia, 10th. They're 15-6. and six. Florida State, Houston, Creighton. Texas is 13-6. and six. They're ranked number 14. Uh, Virginia, Virginia Tech. Uh, Kansas is 17th. They lost to Texas this past week. First time Texas has beaten uh, Kansas in both matchups in, in the season. Texas Tech has slid down to 18. They're at 14-7. and seven. Uh, USC, they lost to Colorado tonight. They're 18-5. Arkansas, I mentioned them. They're 20th coming into the week. They had a big win against Alabama so I would assume they'll move up. Uh, Loyola, Chicago at 21. San Diego State at 22. Uh, Wisconsin's 23. Missouri's 24. And the University of Tennessee is 25. So there will certainly be some movement uh, within that top portion uh, of the, the AP poll. Uh, some teams moving up, some teams moving down. But the top three teams in the country are clearly – Gonzaga, Baylor, and Michigan, and it's not even close. Uh, but that's going to wrap up the 29th episode of the Sports Island podcast. I uh, appreciate you guys listening. Uh, this podcast is available on all major podcast platforms, so be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Tell your friends about it and tell them to rate, review, and subscribe. Um, we'll hopefully uh, have another a good episode for you next week. In the meantime, stay safe, be well, and we'll catch you on Sports Island next week.